is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Ah, oh, there's so much to discuss. You know, uh, we began to uh, reveal the truth about the Republican tax plan last evening when a couple of CPAs called the program. And uh, there's more information I'm sure you've heard today. I saw uh, in Politico that the Republicans have hidden this uh, 46% tax bracket. And, you know, you would think if the Republicans really believe in this stuff, and I guess they do, that they would put it out front and make their case for a 46% tax bracket. It's absolutely a disgrace. And the president keeps saying this is the biggest tax cut in American history. No, it's not. So in order to reduce the corporate income tax, which I feel they should, from 35 to 20%, they're slamming it to millions of Americans. To millions of Americans, because they will not cut government. And I've said it over and over again, and it's good to hear Rand Paul repeat what I said the other day. This class warfare crap is unbelievable, and it's coming from Republicans. It's coming from Republicans. Now, we'll get into this a little bit more, but the fact is you cannot slash taxes without slashing taxes for those who pay them. For those who pay them. And according to the Tax Foundation, the latest information, the top 1% pay almost 40% of the federal income taxes, even though they earn under 21% of the income. The top 5% pay 60% of the income taxes, even though they earn 36% of the income. The top 10% pay 71% of the income taxes, even though they earn 47% of the income. The bottom 50% pay just 2.7% of income taxes, even though they earn a greater share, 11.2% of the income. And yet it's that bottom share, the bottom two shares, that the Republicans are focused on. Because, you know, they don't want tax cuts for the rich. How about just tax cuts across the board? How about do what's right? The most successful president in modern American history, probably the third greatest president in history, Washington, Lincoln, Reagan, in my opinion. Reaganomics, they used to mock him. He didn't care. He fought for his agenda. Now, when Reagan came into office, do you know what the top tax rate was? It was 70%. 70%. So in his first wave of tax cuts in August 1981, he cut it from 70% to 50%. Then there was a second wave of tax cuts, and he cut it from 50% to 28%. And no bones about it. 28%. That's pretty incredible, is it not? And yet the Republicans today, they sound like leftists. They sound like that, and quite frankly, so does the president. My tax cuts are for the middle class. And many of their tax cuts are not for the middle class. While they're cutting rates for many people, they're slashing deductions. So they... They give with one hand and they take with another, as you heard on last night's show. 
on last night's show. I'm not saying there ought to be tax cuts for the rich. I'm saying there ought to be tax cuts across the board. When you're creating a new tax category of 49%, uh, excuse me, of 46%, that is devastating. As even Rand Paul said, you have to cut taxes on the top 1% or it's not a significant tax cut. And, of course, he's exactly right. He's exactly right. Politico. Politico broke it. Not the conservative media. Politico, a left-wing media site. House Republicans claim the tax plan they introduced Thursday keeps the top individual rate unchanged at 39.6%. The level at which it's been capped for much of the past quarter century. But a little notice provision effectively creates a new band in which income is taxed at over 45%. Thanks to a quirky proposed surcharge, Americans who earn more than $1 million in taxable income would trigger an extra 6% tax on the next 200000 they earn. A complicated change that effectively creates a new, unannounced tax bracket of 45.6%. I don't care about the millionaires, Mark. What's the problem? The problem is a lot of these guys and gals are small business people. And it's small business that creates most of the jobs in this country. But even as a moral issue, ladies and gentlemen, do you think the federal government should be taking 46% of somebody's earnings? Almost 50%? And then when you add in state income taxes for those states that have them? I mean, if it's California or New York, you're paying well over 50%, or that's your effective rate, well over 50%. That's absolute confiscatory policy. It hasn't been advertised by Republicans who've described their plan as maintaining the current top rate at 39.6%. And it goes against decades of GOP orthodoxy that raising taxes on the rich discourages work and reduces economic growth. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, it is... Unfortunate that I have to report to you that some of the nationalist populists out there think this is great because they buy into the class warfare argument. If you believe in capitalism and private property rights and entrepreneurship and limited government and a flat tax or a fair tax, then you don't believe this is right. You don't believe it's right. Now, this goes against decades of GOP orthodoxy. Raising taxes on the rich discourages work and reduces economic growth. The rich, the rich, the rich, they keep throwing it around. Raising taxes on American citizens who earn a certain amount of money. That's the way it ought to be stated. Reach by phone. Steve Moore, a tax expert at the Heritage Foundation, said the surcharge was news to him. Quote, I was just in a briefing with the White House on this, he said. They didn't mention that. Seems kind of bizarre to me. So here's a guy that spends his days in Washington at the Heritage Foundation working with the Trump administration, working with members of the, uh, of the Republican Party on Capitol Hill, and he knows nothing about it because it's concealed from him, as it was concealed from us. The new rate stems from a provision in the bill intended to help the government recover from the very wealthy some of the benefits that lower-income taxpayers enjoy. See? So now we're fighting with each other. Fighting with each other, fighting over tax rates, a limited pie, static economics rather than slashing government so we can reduce the revenue that the government takes from all of us. From all of us. Under the House Republican plan, all individuals, no matter whether they earn 35000 150000 10 million, would pay the lowest rate, 12%, on their first $45,000 in taxable income. 
That's a normal feature of current American tax law, they write. But in the new plan, House Republicans want to claw back some of the benefit for individuals who earn more than a million dollars or couples earning more than $1.2 million. And I'm sure a certain percentage of you folks listening think that's perfectly fine. Doesn't affect me. What do I care? We have to care about these things. This clawback stuff and all the rest of it. The greatest tax cut in modern American history, perhaps all of American history, was the Reagan tax cut. It will not be the Trump tax cut. It will not be the Congressional Republican tax cut. This is barely a tax cut. In the wash, when you look at it, it is barely a tax cut. Corporations will get a a huge tax cut from 35 to 20 percent. I am not against that. We want to encourage uh, you know, business creation. We want to encourage businesses to return. We want to encourage R&D and capital investment and all these things. It's very, very important so our companies are competitive and, and vigorous in terms of, uh, of uh, investing their funds. Great. But then they turn around and they say, you know what? Now we're going to slam these individuals here. We're going to take the, the health savings account from this guy. Uh, we're going to cap... Uh, Deductions on uh, property taxes to $10,000 and just this, this, this Mickey Mouse stuff. This Mickey Mouse stuff, which is politically insane. But it's an economic matter. You've got these supply siders, and I said, I believe in supply side economics, but I also believe in cutting spending. As a moral matter, as a constitutional matter, as an economic matter, and as a political matter. I believe in cutting spending. And they do not. They don't. And they're not going to. They don't even try. And so here we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Republicans, they're they're not going to let the rich get away with anything, you know. And uh, this is real crappy stuff. Real crummy stuff. This class warfare stuff that the Democrats are involved in, among others. The Democrat... Excuse me, the Republican Party's involved in, among others. So we buy into this whole notion of class warfare. Class warfare. Let, let me just be clear about this. Because the media in this country are so moronic, they'll never explain this because they believe in this stuff. Listen to me carefully, please. This whole notion of the proletariat and bourgeoisie, it comes from Marx and Engels. And they believe the history of man is the history of economic class warfare. And they write extensively about this. Very, very extensively. The Communist Manifesto is just a relatively short, it's not a brochure, a short essay. They wrote quickly uh, in order to push out because they were also not just philosophers, but they were ideologues and political activists. They wanted a worldwide communist revolution. But this whole notion has different names. Material historicism, among others. And thumbnail sketch, and if you read Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, you'll know all about this. What Marx and Engels and their ilk say is this. The history of mankind is the history of economic class warfare. Where the bourgeoisie, the management class, the uh, the executive class, the landowning class, whatever you want to call it, are basically enslaves the proletariat, the laborers, the working people. 
You hear this today in our nationalist populists. You hear this today from the Bernie Sanders crowd. Now you hear it today from the president, and you hear it today from the Republicans in Congress. It is something that was rejected by the American people a long time ago. And by the way, Marx isn't the only one to write this stuff. He stole this idea of historicism, not material historicism or economic historicism, but the whole notion of historicism. He stole it from Hegel. Not the former defense secretary and senator. Another German philosopher. Get a lot of bad ideas, don't we, from German philosophers. No offense. And in each case, whether it's Hegelism, Marxism, whatever you want to call it, it empowers the government, it empowers a handful of people, it centralizes decision-making, it creates a massive administrative state, It creates a police state. There's an endless attack on capitalism. Capitalism, oh, this theory called capitalism, oh, this theory and Hayek, and all the theoreticians. They're more than theoreticians. They understood mankind, they understood individualism, and they understood liberty, and they understood capitalism. It's the greatest economic model man has ever devised, because what is capitalism? Capitalism nurtures, celebrates the individual, the differences between the individual and other individuals. It celebrates hard work. It celebrates smart work. And people fail and people succeed, but people can fail over and over again, and again they can succeed. It is a liberty-based economic system. It is an investment-based economic system that has almost nothing to do with government, which is why it is hated by Democrats and Republicans alike. Hated. Which is why I keep promoting it and and talking it up. And it has an enormous dilatorious effect when the government has this kind of power over the private sector. You're the private sector. You are. Whether you're a mechanic or a truck driver or electrician or a plumber, whether you work on an oil field or in a coal mine, whether you work on a car assembly line, whether you're white-collar, blue-collar, union, non-union, you're the private sector. And you're under attack constantly with this tax code. You're under attack constantly with the propaganda that come out of the mouths of the left and the, and the pseudo-right about class warfare. They want to whip people into a passion, into a frenzy, one against the other. They want to group you into economic classes. That's Marx. We're not grouped into economic classes. We're individual American citizens. We can become anything we want to become if we work hard enough and smart enough. So this proletariat bourgeoisie crap is pretty much what we're getting day in and day out, including from the Republicans now who want a special 46% rate for millionaires. Yes, get them, get them, get no. What it ought to be, government. Slash your spending. Get out of our faces. Stop trying to attack one citizen and turn one against the other. It doesn't matter one iota if the guy next to me is worth $10 million or $100 million. It's of no consequence. It doesn't affect me. What does affect me is if policies are put in place, in place that have as a, uh, in the aggregate, dilatory economic effects that make it difficult for me to put food on the table for my family. I'll be right back.
always trying to reach for. They never tell you the truth. They never tell you the truth. And so the Republicans are now part of the class warfare warriors. And here's the conundrum that they've put the president in. The difficult space that he's in. The president's going to keep calling these the greatest tax cuts in American history, which, of course, is utterly ridiculous. There's a lot of tax increases in this, in the forms of changed uh, deductions and so forth. The Republicans are going to tell you what a wonderful plan this is, and they'll highlight five or six things they do through uh, Grover Norquist, among others. And yet when real CPAs start looking at this stuff, they go, uh, 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 you better take a closer look at this. You better take a closer look at this, which we've been doing now for two days. And the idea that they're going to create a higher, upper tax bracket that even Barack Obama didn't do. Even Barack Obama didn't do. Even the Democrats who controlled the House and the Senate and the presidency who pushed through Obamacare, who pushed through Frank Dodd, even they didn't do any 46% top rate. And you know damn well if they had, you and I and, and the rest would be jumping up and down. But here, because the Republicans propose it, and it's the greatest tax cut in American history by increasing the top rate, um, uh, I hope they don't get away with it, but they may well. And show the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now. 877-381-3811. You know, so much uh, of what is fed to us is just so outrageous. You know, I'm watching media reports of this Republican tax plan. And so you have the usual arguments. The Democrats saying it's tax cuts for the rich, although I can't think of a single one. Republicans saying, no, 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 this is good policy, tax cuts across the board and so forth. And they're both lying. There are no tax cuts for the rich in this. None. And as far as the Republicans go, this is a horrible bill. Last evening, early on, I said, I think it's 85% good, 15% bad. And then the more I was learning about it and hearing about it and now reading about it, it's the other way. It's 15% good and 85% bad. I can't support it now. I cannot. And I think these Republicans in the House and the Senate are utterly irresponsible, and they continue to be utterly irresponsible. I can't support the elimination of the health savings account. Is that a tax cut? I can't support capping property tax deductions at $10,000. Why should we do that? Well, the blue states and the, hey, look, I'm not interested in the blue states and the red states. This isn't about politics to me. It's about liberty. It's about growth. It's about opportunity. It's also about fairness. People who've bought homes and they live in these communities and they're paying these taxes. What do you want them to do? Get up and move? Maybe they can't get up and move. Maybe they can't. And that would be many of you. So you don't punish individuals based on where they live. Or if their state governments, like in California, New Jersey, New York, are totally out of control. 
we support sound economic policy. We support capitalism. We support private property rights. We support entrepreneurship. That's what we support, and that's what these programs or cuts are supposed to do, right? In terms of the power of the IRS and the federal government, nothing here, nothing here reduces reduces the complexity of the tax code, the length of the Internal Revenue Code, the necessity for an accountant or a CPA or whomever. This doesn't simplify a damn thing. And yet they tell us, oh, look, it simplifies. It doesn't simplify anything for me, does it for you? I don't think so at all. I mean, uh, they claim to stand for the little guy. They're not even standing for the little guy. But we, we deal so much here with, with dishonesty, with a lack of reality. So here's the debate. The Democrats claiming they, these are tax cuts for the rich, which is preposterous when they're creating a, a new massively higher uh, tax rate for people who, uh, who net over a million dollars. And the Republicans claiming this is the greatest tax cut in American history, which is a lie. It's preposterous. And we're going to help the middle class. They're going to help some in the middle class and hurt some in the middle class. But what's all this class talk anyway? Individual American citizens. You should slash spending. You should slash taxes across the board. And stop playing the Marxist game of proletariat and bourgeoisie. Class warfare. And today we get another one of these things, putting uh, putting aside the tax cuts. All of a sudden we have the fourth national climate assessment. And the media, not skeptical at all, doesn't dig into the authors at all, doesn't look at any of the contrary arguments at all. They report it almost verbatim, and they don't even tell you actually what's in the report, just the conclusions of the report. The Hill newspaper, an extensive report published by the federal government Friday, asserts that humans are the primary driver of climate change, causing higher temperatures, sea level rise, agriculture problems, and more. This is an impossibility. We're a bigger driver of climate change than the sun? How stupid is this? And what about the massive increase on the globe's uh, heat? When there weren't any human beings, called the medieval warm period. You ever hear of the medieval warm period? It's well documented, you know. The earth heated up enormously during the medieval warm period. There were no human beings. And uh, as a matter of fact, well, there were human beings, let me put it this way, but there weren't many during the medieval uh, human uh, warm period. And there was no industrial revolution. Oil, as used today, coal, as used today, didn't exist. Existed, but it wasn't used the way it's used today. There was no, there were no industries. Smokestack industries, and so forth and so on. If the temperature change was enormous. Enormous. We've had climate change Forever. Forever. And uh, the idea that we are the primary drivers of climate change, when there was massive climate change before we even existed, 
I'm just telling you the stupidity of this whole thing. But the climate assessment plainly states, this is the Hill, quote, this assessment concludes based on extensive evidence. It's extremely likely that human activities, especially emissions of greenhouse gases, were the dominant cause of the observed warming since the mid-20th century, it says. For the warming over the last century, there's no convincing alternative explanation supported by the extent of the observational evidence. Now, that's a lie. I have an entire chapter on this, as well as other things, in Liberty and Tyranny. It's a chapter called on Envirostatism. And this argument's been pushed by the federal government now for years and years and years, being pushed by NASA Goddard Institute in space studies. was pushed by a guy by the name of Dr. James Hansen, the director of NASA Goddard Institute for Space Studies, one of Al Gore's buddies, was an advisor to Al Gore. His early work was used to justify global cooling, by the way. Now he's the, was that he became the most influential and bombastic high priest of global warming. Is that the kind of scientists we're talking about? There are many scientists, many who have contrary views to this, but how many of them were invited to participate in the production of this report? I can give you several of them right now. Dr. Nur Sharif, top astrophysicist, associate professor at Hebrew University. Says it's not man who affects the climate, it's the sun. The sun. Or Dudley Hughes, renowned geologist. Same thing. And he says, to the extent the climate has changed, this was his example, he says, let us picture a football stadium with about 10,000 people in the stands. Carbon dioxide represents four people out of 10,000. It's the smallest volume of any atmospheric gas. Smallest. Smallest. There are many experts. Many experts who reject this notion. The National Center for Public Policy Research, 2008, Dr. Arthur Robinson of the Oregon Institute of Science and Medicine announced more than 31,000 scientists signed a petition rejecting the theory of human-caused global warming. Do they ever talk about that? No. That's less than 10 years ago. Phil Chapman, geophysicist, astronautical engineer, the first Australian to become a NASA astronaut, an expert in this field. He said all four agencies that track the Earth's temperature, the Hadley Climate Research Unit in Britain, the NASA Goddard Institute for Space Studies in New York, the Christie Group at the University of Alabama, and Remote Sensing Systems, Inc. in California, report that the Earth cooled by about... 0.7 0.7 Celsius in 2007. This is the fastest temperature change in the instrumental record. Puts us back where we were in 1930. But the enviro-statists don't care. So they'll put together bigger, bigger, thicker, thicker reports. That's what they'll do. Dr. John Brignell, retired professor of industrial instrumentation at the University of Southampton in Britain. He composed a list of alarmist claims in news reports that man-made global warming causes or has caused. If you go to page 141, excuse me, 140, 141, 142, 143 in Liberty and Tyranny, you're going to see it. I've, I, one, one show, and I'm not going to punish you today, I read them all. 
what global warming, quote-unquote, man-made global warming is doing to the earth. But I'd give you an example. These are reports. Increase in acne. Agricultural land increase. Afghan poppies destroyed. Africa devastated. African aid threatened. Africa in conflict. Aggressive weeds. Air pressure changes. Alaska reshaped. Allergies increase. Alps melting. Amazon a desert. American dream ending. Amphibians breeding earlier or not breeding at all. Uh, let's see. Uh, ancient forest dramatically changed. Animals head for the hills. Antarctic ice grows. Antarctic ice shrinks. Antarctic sea life at risk. Anxiety treatment. Algal blooms. Uh, archaeological sites threatened. Arctic bogs melt. Arctic in bloom. Arctic ice freeze. Arctic lakes disappear. Arctic tundra to burn. Atlantic less salty. Atlantic more salty. Atmospheric circulation modified. Attack of the killer jellyfish. Avalanches reduced. Avalanches increased. Baghdad, snow. Bahrain underwater. Bananas growing. Beer shortage. Beetle infestation. Better beer. Big melt faster. Billion dollar research products, projects. Billions in, of, of homeless. Billions face risk. Billions of deaths. Bird distributions chain. Bird visitors drop. Birds confused. Birds return early. Birds driven north. Bitter boom ends. Blackbirds stop singing. Blizzards. Blue mussels return. Blue tongue. Brains shrink. Bridge collapse. And on. And I just got into the bees. Just got into the bees. Of the alphabet. The bees. Thing after thing, issue after issue, attributed to man-made global warming, even when they contradict each other. Or climate change, as they put it now. One phony report after another, one phony allegation after another, which all has the same purpose, which is what? To empower government. Not just our federal government, not just our EPA, not just a bureaucratic state, to empower international organizations, to empower the UN, which in turn has as its purpose and their purposes to weaken the American economy, another death blow to capitalism, and your lifestyle, your way of living. That's the problem with these deals. These deals have as their intention to destroy America's superpower status, to destroy Americans' engine of production, to destroy the American lifestyle, to the benefit of international bureaucrats and to the benefit of other countries like China and Russia, among others. It's a death wish. It's insane. This whole ideology was imported into the United States, imported into the United States, which I wrote about in Plunder and Deceit. I've got to keep my book straight here. Uh, again from Europe. It's called the degrowth movement. The degrowth movement to destroy our assembly lines, to destroy our steel mills, to destroy our oil patches, to destroy our coal mines, and on and on and on. Now most of us have never been to a steel mill. Most of us have never been to an oil patch. Most of us have never been to a coal mine. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of Americans have never seen them, have never experienced them, have never watched them in production. We just assume if we need something, we can get it. 
wherever the steel comes from or the aluminum comes from or the rubber comes from, plastic comes from, so be it. We don't know, you know, our automobiles, we go to the gas pump, we expect gasoline to come out. We take our cars into a mechanic, we expect them to have oil to oil what needs to be oiled. We expect if we need a new tire, they have rubber to make a new tire. What people don't digest intellectually is this stuff has to come from somewhere, and there are other men and women who have to produce it. It's like going into a grocery store. Ah, I love these massive supermarkets. Get anything you want from anywhere in the world, anywhere in the country, all kinds of meats and fish and wines. I love it. All kinds of vegetables and this and that. Oh, I insist on it. Well, where the hell do you think it comes from? Well, if the no-growthers, the phony climate change crowd gets their way, it won't come at all. The shelves will be empty. There won't be tires. Or the cost will be so prohibitive, it won't matter. I'll be right back. As we approach the one-year anniversary of the launch of Conservative Review TV and the two-year anniversary of the launch of Levin TV, which was the brainchild that led to the CRTV network, the nation's fastest-growing digital network, We're even more steadfast in our mission to provide you the most thought-provoking and patriotic TV platform available anywhere. This is why we work so hard to bring you almost 200 episodes of Levin TV each year. And you can watch them all, current and previous, with your incredibly affordable subscription to CRTV. You can also watch my buddy Phil Robertson's fantastic and completely unfiltered new show, In the Woods with Phil. And if that's not enough... There's new features like the CRTV White House Brief, the Morning Grinders, and the hilarious Get Off My Lawn, and so much more. There's Louder with Crowder, Michelle Malkin Investigates. Now, all these programs are in stunning high definition, 100% commercial free, and all available to you anytime, 24-7. It's time to start binge-watching programs you can feel good about, folks, and you can start doing that today by signing up at CRTV.com. That's CRTV.com. Or give them a call. Those of you sitting in your car, now's the perfect time to do it. 844-LEVIN-TV. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. All right. By the way, I'll get into this next hour. We have members of Congress introducing bills to combat sexual harassment by members of Congress. You ever hear anything like that, Mr. Producer? They're introducing laws to control themselves. And we'll get into this next hour because this is, it's the weirdest damn thing. The weirdest damn thing. And even those coming forward saying they were sexually harassed, fine. They won't name names or they haven't named names. Well, who was it? So we can hold them to account if they're still in office. And if they weren't in office we or not any longer, we'd like to know who they are. Eric, Los Angeles, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark. Yes, sir. Go right Mark. ahead, please. Yes. Okay, Mark. Yeah, the, um, I All right, that's the, three uh, times. One more and you're out. I said hello. Right. Go. Hello, Mark. All right, get out of here. This guy's a, I can't help it. Right out of the box, I get a moron. Let's go to David. 
Pawtucket, Rhode Island, Sirius Satellite. How are you? How are you doing, Mark? Thank you for taking my call. Thank you, sir. Mark, they were shoving this global ice age stuff down our throat in junior high school in 1976, 1977, 1975. They, would, they were telling us that because of human interaction using all the... And I remember hearing this. It was like we were being taught this was fact that by... The year 2015, we'd be in another global ice age. Yep, I remember. Same here, and we can pull up the old articles out of Newsweek and so forth. And I assume the uh, the science was good enough back then to know what was going on, right? Thanks for your call, David. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well... There was a piece in the Washington Compost on October 27. How Congress plays by different rules on sexual harassment and misconduct. Now, I read this. I printed it out. I was going to get to it, but I'm going to get to it now. And they say in part, under a law in place since 1995. 1995. Ironically, when Bill Clinton was president of the United States. Accusers, this is sexual harassment, accusers may file lawsuits only if they first agree to go through months of counseling and mediation. A special congressional office is charged with trying to resolve the cases out of court. When set, Listen to this. When settlements do occur with members of Congress... Members do not pay them from their own office funds, a requirement in other federal agencies. Instead, the confidential payments come out of a special U.S. Treasury fund. Sounds like a predator actually wrote this law. Congressional employees have received small settlements compared with the amounts some public figures pay out. Between 1997 and 2014, the U.S. Treasury has paid $15.2 million in 235 awards and settlements for Capitol Hill workplace violations, according to the Congressional Office of Compliance. The statistics do not break down the exact nature of the violations. So they have a whole covert system set up on Capitol Hill by a law they put in place in 1995. They have all these hoops that somebody has to jump through, all these hoops they have to jump through before they can make an allegation in order to avoid a, you know, an embarrassment to a member of Congress and so forth. Now, I'm not saying everybody who makes an accusation is telling the truth or, any, or everybody who is accused of something is guilty. That's not even my point. My point is, why do they set up this separate system for themselves? You know, much like health care, FOIA doesn't apply to them, and on and on and on. They don't have to be part of the Social Security system. Now we have... Kirsten Gillibrand, junior senator, Democrat in New York, she said today, according to the Hill newspaper, that she will introduce legislation aimed at combating sexual harassment around Capitol Hill 
as female lawmakers and staffers increasingly speak out about their own experiences. And I'm going to get into this in a moment. And I will talk about this in a moment. Let me diverge just for a second. Mr. Producer, have you ever watched a marathon? Runners, a marathon, a 20-mile marathon. Have you ever watched the Army Marathon, the Marine Corps Marathon, the Boston Marathon? That kind of a marathon. You ever, ever, you've actually watched a marathon? The greatest marathon runner I have ever seen, I don't know, well, P.S. Runner. P.S. Runner. That was the name on the shirt, P.S. Runner. Can you believe that? And I've seen this marathon runner run in numerous marathons. If anybody knows who P.S. Runner is, will you let me know? Mr. Producer, do you know what I'm talking about? No, he has no idea. No idea. All right, let me get back to this. So Kirsten Gildebrand has introduced a bill, listen to this, to combat sexual harassment in Congress. This Is this not like blow your mind? I mean... We must ensure, she says, that this institution handles complaints to create an environment where staffers can come forward if something happens to them without having to fear that it will ruin their careers. She added that you see time and again in institutions all around the country a culture where power and fear keep sexual assault and sexual harassment in the shadows. Congress is no different. Congress is no different? Really? Congress is no different. Now, the truth is, you and I knew this. We heard all these stories about Ted Kennedy, and there are certain members of Congress now, beloved by the media, one of whom is a Republican who the Democrats love. There used to be rumors about this individual as well. There's rumors about many of these individuals. Many, many stories about them. About what a, uh, you know, what, 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 what a disgrace Congress is when it comes to the treatment of, of their staffers and so forth. Much like Hollywood. But here we have a senator who's going to introduce a bill to combat sexual harassment in the Senate and in the House. Let me tell you why Kirsten Gillibrand is a gutless wonder. You know why she's a gutless wonder? She doesn't name names. It's all general talk. I want general talk. Kirsten Gillibrand... If you have to combat sexual harassment in Congress, would you please tell us who the sexual harassers are so the public can know, so we can vote them out of office? Give us their names. You can pass a new law. Give us their names. There have been four individuals, I believe, who've come forward and said they were sexually harassed while in Congress. By whom? By whom? Come for it and tell us who they are. In addition to requiring that the Office of Compliance's voluntary sexual harassment training be mandatory. Okay. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? My parents taught me right from wrong, good from evil. They taught me as a, as a young boy how to treat girls and now ladies. We all don't need sexual harassment training. Do we? Sexual harassment training? Well, let's do this together, shall we? Keep your hands to yourself. Keep your mouth shut. Treat people with respect. Talk to them about the issues, not about their genitalia. 
If you're married, behave yourself. Behave yourself. Be loyal to your spouse. If you're not going to be loyal to your spouse, then divorce your spouse. And if you cheat on your spouse, shame on you. The harm you do to your family, including your children, it's a disgrace. Absolute disgrace. There, I've just done sexual harassment training. Haven't I, Mr. Producer? Yes. You're elected to go to Congress to do your job. To uphold the Constitution, which very few of you do. At least keep your pants up and your dress on, will you? There, there's another. That's lesson two. Lesson two. No disrobing. There you go. No disrobing. No touching. No, you know, lowered or lewd comments. No weird computer sites. I mean, what? We need a law? Four in ten of the women who responded to a roll call survey earlier this year said they believed Capitol Hill had a sexual harassment problem. One in six said they had experienced it personally. One in six? That's a survey. So I don't know if this is accurate or not. Surveys are surveys. But apparently there's a whole lot of sexual harassment going on. One current lawmaker and three former lawmakers told the Associated Depressed that they had experienced sexual harassment or hostile comments around the Capitol. Staffers also described a roll call the worry that reporting an incident would negatively impact their careers. And this is the body that passes laws that apply to all of us. And yet apparently don't apply to all of them. And this is the body that the liberals want to have more and more power to manage our lives. This is what I've never understood. The contradiction, the schizophrenia, if you will. These institutions in Washington, D.C., many of them are corrupt. Many of them are worse than corrupt. Then why in the world do we want them to have more and more control and power over our lives? Including health care, by the way. Why do we keep feeding this beast with more and more of our tax dollars? Why do we think Washington is noble or more noble? than the rest of society, when in fact it's not. It's not. The fact that Kirsten Gillibrand feels the need to introduce a bill to pass a law to force members of Congress to constrain themselves through training and other actions and so forth, says it all. It's a disgrace. I'll be right back. in. Myself. There's a lot I want to get to tonight, uh, a lot that I believe is very, very important, um, but there's some people who have been waiting a long time. Todd, Nashville, Tennessee, the great WWTN, go. Hi, Mark. It's wonderful to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to put into perspective the disingenuousness that claims the uh, majority of scientists go along with global warming. The, um, Go ahead. Anybody with uh, any familiarity with just slightly significant greater than regular thermodynamics would know that if you increase the amount of CO2 
ignoring the sun, of course, because that doesn't have any effect. The um, amount of temperature increase that you'd get just by increasing the CO2 to Cambrian levels before even humans were around 1,600% would be about a half a degree Fahrenheit. And if you add methane to that, the temperature would actually be reduced. That's, I just wanted to put that in perspective. How, and I have a question because I believe the sun has, has an impact. You know, when I look at the ocean, I look at how massive it is, how powerful it is. You know, we're, we're little pipsqueaks. We're nothing. We're not even a grain of sand. You look at the ocean, you look at the power of the ocean, the power of the moon and gravity, the power of the sun. Absolutely. And to think that we can impact these things, lower the ocean, raise the ocean, is so bizarre to me. I, I just think the mindset is... People want to believe that we can control things, when in fact we have no control over it whatsoever. Perhaps it provides a level of comfort to them to think that they have that amount of power. I'm not. I I'm think not so. Sure. And I think politicians are more than happy uh, to pretend that they do, particularly on the left, because it means more regulations, more taxes, less sovereignty, uh, more international uh, ag agencies and departments uh, controlling our, our, uh, our sovereignty and so forth. So they're more than happy to play into this. Absolutely. And who gets rich? More bureaucrats? More international bureaucrats? Politicians keep getting reelected? They act like they're actually doing something effective? I mean, this is so ridiculous that uh, it's, it's just before the Industrial Revolution. Let me ask you this, Todd. Before the Industrial Revolution, did the, did the, did the planet heat up? Did the planet cool off? What, what happened? I All those things. Significant climate changes well before humans, including an ice age. Exactly. You know, well, there weren't coal miners, there weren't assembly lines, there wasn't mankind. The whole yeah. thing is so ignorant. I mean, here we are arguing against the flat, the flat earthers. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Todd, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Let's keep moving. We're very agile here. Jennifer, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark. How are you? All right. How are you? I, I'm fine. I called a rail against the Republicans and their tax plan. You said when right. the CPAs put a pencil to it, then they'll know what a what a bad plan it is. And my husband and I are both CPAs, and we put ah. a pencil to it yesterday. Well, tell and, us quickly about it. Well, um, we have an adjusted gross income. Of around uh, 190,000. We're both retired. I do work mm -hmm. part time, but mm -hmm. we have good pensions. We don't. We have no mo home mortgage interest, but we do have high charitable contributions. But we'll end up trading about forty thousand dollars of deductions for 24 on the standard deducts, and we'll end up paying thirteen thousand more a year. That's and, unbelievable. Oh, it is. It, it just angers me. And there's not a thing you can and, do. And they, and they say it's a tax cut? There's no tax cut. I mean, the people who keep getting tax cuts are the people who pay no taxes or very little taxes. Well, he took his mother's income, $35,000. And uh, she's deceased, but he looked to see how much if she would get a cut. She had to end up paying $27 more. Unbelievable. Oh, and she was certainly a pensioner. So, mm -hmm. anyway, it's, uh, I don't know what to do other than to call my congressman. And who is your congressman? Do you know? I mean, you got a couple of uh, Steve Russell. 
Okay, Steve Russell better step up. But you watch, you watch how they all vote for this and keep going on about how this is the greatest tax cut in American history. It is a disgrace. So, anyway, I'm kind of uh, glad the Democrats are pounding away at it. Well, they're pounding at the wrong end. They're saying, you know, look at these tax cuts for the rich. Here's CPA. I had a CPA on last night. I said, can you show me one? Just one. And he said, nope, thing, there I aren't any. heard about any uh, spending cuts. Not one more. No, no spending cuts. No, I'm no. Unless it's the military, then they, they cut. You got me through the Obama administration. But with this bunch up here, I've just, um, just kind of turned my head and put it in the sand. It doesn't matter who we vote for. They're all all right, correct. Jennifer, I appreciate your call. I appreciate your call. Dennis, Littleton, New Hampshire. On the Mark Levin app, how are you? Well, Mark, it's been a long time. Thank you so much for taking the call. Yes. One of the, one of the things that just fuel me to no end is the lack of information that the politicians, and even Trump, they just don't educate the people on basic economics. Anybody that takes <laughs> economics in school learns that people spend money. What do they do when they get a little extra money? They spend it. And when they spend it, guess what? They buy something. And I was telling your call screener, the little story you tell about eye pencil, the trickle-down effect of just a simple pencil of how it employs people, what it does, you need to read it again. Now, originally, I'm from South Jersey. I know you're from Philadelphia, so you might be familiar with South Jersey and the yacht uh, companies that just boomed in South Jersey. You had about six of them. Big yacht companies. We're talking million, multi-million dollar stuff. Do you remember when Clinton put the 10% luxury tax on back in the 90s? Oh, yeah, he killed them. He killed them and all the jobs that went with them. I was there as a witness to it. They shut their doors. The orders stopped. This is what happens when you take money away from the producers. Now, this wasn't a tax increase, I understand, but basically it was because the people that buy the stuff had to pay more for that product. So, in a sense, it affected their income because it was an increase in their expenditure. There is an absolute economic proof of what happens when you take the producer, the producer, and penalize them. Now, look, this is a... I got to run, but Dennis, Dennis, got to run, hard break, but excellent, excellent call. I really appreciate it. I would forgot about that, but I certainly remember it now. I'll be right back. America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. You know, there's, there's something I've realized. There's a software solution to just about every business need, and you can find yours on Capterra. Capterra.com. C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A.com. Whether you're a startup looking to keep better track of customers a nonprofit hoping to have a record fundraising year, or a business that simply needs better payroll software, 
Captera's got you covered. Captera has over 400 categories of business software for you to choose from. Anything from email marketing to scheduling to accounting and beyond. Captera makes it easy to find what you're looking for. They have thousands of ratings and reviews from actual software users just like you. Best of all, using Captera is absolutely free. Captera connects you with the business software that will help you do what you do better. So visit Captera.com, Captera.com slash Levin. Go there today. Join the millions of people who use Captera. That's Captera, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A, just like it sounds phonetically. C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash Levin. That's Captera.com slash L-E-V-I-N. All right. Let's take a few more calls before I get to more stuff. Randy, Ocala, Florida, the great WSKY. Go. Mark, this is an honor and a privilege akin to the time I had a case accepted for review by the United States Supreme Court. Wow. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. This is one off my bucket list. For the last five years, I've been researching uh, the tax policy of the United States and advocating and educating. The financial fraud that is being committed on the American people by both the Republicans and the Democrats is just mind-boggling. And they, they tell us that they've got the better way. I don't know if you remember when they rolled out with major fanfare, the better way plan, and they, uh, this was Speaker Ryan and Chairman Brady, and they said, oh, we've got the better way, fairer, flatter, simpler, and then all of a sudden yesterday they give birth to the worst way plan, which on the personal tax side is totally smoke and mirrors. And on the corporate tax side, uh, it's going to help blow another $1.5 trillion uh, of debt uh, into the budget uh, because it's just not going to accomplish what they, what they say it's going let me, to Let accomplish. me ask you, Randy. Why won't they put together a comprehensive budget-cutting plan? Are they so gutless, so gutless that they can't control spending? I think that's where we are, and they have no intention of doing it. They are spineless, gutless, and they don't want to cut spending because that's part of their gravy train that they can use to raise funds, as is the income tax system. They sell exemptions, exclusions, and tax loopholes uh, and they jimmy the corporate tax system in a way that one large corporation can knock down the little guys and hold the competition down because the guys on Main Street cannot keep up uh, because they don't have the tax lawyers, they don't have the lobbyists, mm-hmm. and, and the Congress runs this shell game uh, when we could replace the whole thing, as you've said before, with a very simple single-rate, visible, efficient national retail sales tax called the fair tax. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been educating and advocating on for the last five years. And, Randy, can you name one member of Congress who's even articulating this point? Yes. Uh, my congressman, Ted Yoho, from Gainesville. is Yoho. Yes, sir. Can you Ted name Yoho. two? Dr. Ted Yoho. Uh, can you, can yeah. you name another one? Yeah, he unfortunately, he, he left Congress... Uh, and went to NASA, but uh, uh, Jim Bridenstine was yeah. a good one. Uh, so basically on one hand, right? 
Yes, one hand. Sadly, they you know we have we had eighty three sponsors and co sponsors in the hundred and fourteen. But you know what would happen, Randy? If they got close, they'd back out. It's like the repeal of Obamacare, you know. Well, I you know we the 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 resolution here, like the resolution in so much, really is a convention of states, Article Five. I really believe that. It is to repeal the sixteenth. We've got to go. We've got to go. Convention of states. Can I mention one fact that's going to cause the uh, Congress to have to adopt a consumption tax. Go ahead. That is the uh, we we commissioned a study. I'm a, I'm a director with the Americans for Fair Taxation. We commissioned a research study by an expert who's written on this for 12 years, and it's on tax evasion under the income tax system. We have 693 billion dollars in tax evasion estimated for 2017. It's going to grow to 1.17 trillion by 2026. That's what's going to blow this whole mess apart. The wheels have come off the income tax system because All right, Randy. of three things. No, 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 I got I to move on. I appreciate your call very, very much. Let's keep moving. Rob, Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Go. Good afternoon, Mark. I appreciate you taking my phone call. And I yes, just sir. have a quick comment. I just wondered, um, President Trump campaigned um, on the fact that uh, he was going to help students out. And I just was curious why nobody's speaking about the fact that they are eliminating the interest tax deduction for student loans. I was just curious why nobody's speaking on that. Well, maybe nobody knows about it. I didn't know about it. Okay. Okay. Um, is, is, that, is that a fact? Hey, that's a fact. That's a well, fact. how is it? I, I'm, I'm real, this, this whole thing. Uh I don't see tax cuts for the middle class here. They, they, they're reducing the rates, and then uh, you can't have a health savings account. You can't deduct your interest on a, on a student loan. Uh, your deduction of, uh, of, of state property tax capped at $10,000. And uh, I, I'm seeing stuff like this, and I'm, I'm scratching my head. What the hell are these guys doing? I, I just wondered myself. I, I just thought somebody would make a big deal about it because it is. Uh, well, you just did, thing. buddy. You just did. I appreciate it. Well, it's an important thing because when you took your loan, you you relied, you probably took a sharp pencil to it. and you It's like a person buying a home. They take a sharp pencil. They're looking at what they can deduct so they can determine what they can afford. And, uh, you know, the funny thing here is they talk about, you know, wanting to help the average guy, the middle class and so forth. They're trying to avoid being accused of t- cutting taxes for the rich. They're not cutting taxes for the rich. They're lowering rates for everybody but the rich. And then all those people, not all, but a lot of those people have their rates reduced. They're taking deductions away. All right. Thanks for your call, Rob. I guess this is why uh, Paul Ryan wanted to get a hold of me. No, no, no. You don't understand. You don't understand. No, you don't understand. The greatest tax cuts in uh, not just American history, pre-American history. In fact, greatest tax cuts... Uh, since uh, since the Persians controlled the Middle East, oh, it's un- unbelievable! Since uh, since the Babylonians were roaming there, nobody's ever seen anything like this. All right, Erica, Brunswick, Maryland, the great WMAL, go. Good evening. It's so uh, it's wonderful to be able to to be on your show this evening. Thank you. Um, I uh, I was calling because um, of the discussion about the sexual harassment bill. In D.C., and it, it caught my attention earlier this week too. I think when Eleanor Holmes Norton was going to 
uh, propose a bill. And um, I'm a former federal employee, and I got to tell you, it's been going on a long time, and it seems a little disingenuous that it's an issue for them now. And um, you know, I worked in the federal fire service for seven years. Um, it's a culture of harassment on a variety of levels, including sexual harassment. And um, I actually had a case filed on my behalf, um, and it, at one point I ended up in the civil rights office and was basically told I could have do nothing unless I filed a lawsuit. And um, and that required I go through mentoring with people in my division that were, you know, I worked with every day. Mm-hmm. And um, it was incredibly awkward, and I, I wasn't, you know... And in a frame of mind at the time, it's hard for me to talk about it right now, honestly. But wow. um, to really pursue it to that degree, I just wanted. How, how to long go. ago? How long this ago? In two thousand nine is when I left the federal service. And, and, and you're telling you're telling America this stuff goes on. And it's fairly ubiquitous in the bureaucracy. And but so why are they bringing this up now? And they didn't bring it up five years ago or ten years ago. What's that all about? I think it's just opportunism and. To be honest, it's, you know, it's, the first lesson I learned in the Federal Fire Service is the rules on the inside are different from the rules on the outside, inside the gay mentality. And, um, you know, and I put up with it. You know, I've been in the fire service collectively 20 years, and seven of it was with the Federal Fire Service. The rest of it I've been a volunteer. So I'm used to that sort of environment where it's, you know, it's a male-dominated environment. I'm okay with that, and I know how to handle it. But um, in this regard, it was just, it was very intense. And mm-hmm. when I left, I actually remember sitting in the civil rights office at the institution I was working at and was told this. And I said, I'm not going to sue. I just don't have the energy. I don't have, I don't even know how, I mean, I was a new mom at the time. And so there's just, I don't even know how I would do it. I just want to go and it will end. And, um, but I looked at her and I said, but you know, it's there and you know, what's going on. And if you require me to file a lawsuit, then you, you know, then you're complicit with it. You're you're helping it to exist, and and you're just as much as at fault as they are. That, yeah. Let me let me ask you this: these members of Congress who are harassing these women, at least that's the allegation, okay? Or did? Why won't those members of Congress, at least one of them is a member of Congress, tell us who they are? Because it's it's just you know it's just like what you said. I mean, they're all protecting. The institution. I mean, the um, the fire chief that I had an issue with. You know, he was getting ready to retire, and nobody wanted to ruin his retirement. Um, you know, and that's just the mentality. Everybody knew he was doing what he was doing to many more people than myself. And you know, just the kind of things that were allowed to persist on a daily basis in that firehouse. Everybody knew what was going on, and you know, it just it it just they turned a blind eye to it. Um, All right, Erica. Well, listen, thanks for your call, and thanks for the information, okay? Great. Thank you. Have a nice evening. All right. You have a nice evening, too. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, folks, the president is on this... International tour, which is a big deal. He's going to see, uh, going to visit a number of very, very important countries in uh, in the Pacific Rim, in uh, Southeast Asia, and so forth. And he's in Honolulu right now. And you know, I was thinking as I'm watching the film. You know, uh, 
you don't have to worry about Donald, what Donald Trump's going to say overseas. Oh, I know all the leftists and the kooks have, well, he tweeted. That's not what I mean. You know, he loves this country. He's not going to trash our country. He's not going to trash our history. He's not going to trash the American people. He's not going to trash our economy. He's not going to trash our military the way Obama used to do when he traveled throughout the world. So that's very, very, you know, it's, it's not only refreshing, it's invigorating that you have somebody that's visiting these other countries who you know loves our country and he's not going to trash our country. It's a big deal. It's a big difference, too. Now, speaking of big differences, business travel is a game of wins and losses. Having a short wait to get through security, that's a win. Forgetting about the bottle of water in your briefcase so you have to go through security line again, that's a loss. Well, buying your business trip at Upside.com is a triple win. Number one, they have the absolute best available prices for flights, hotels, and rental cars. Number two, is Upside rewards you with a gift card to places like Amazon.com every time you buy a business trip. And win number three is the amazing six-star treatment you get from Upside's customer service specialist. So there, here's three things you're not going to get from anyone else. And their navigators, their navigators are instantly accessible around the clock, even reaching out before a problem happens. Right now, when you go to Upside.com and use my code MARK, that's code MARK, you'll get a minimum $100 gift card to Amazon.com. That's code MARK for a minimum $100 gift card to Amazon.com when you buy your next business trip at Upside.com. You have nothing to lose. Give it a try, okay? If you're you know, working for, for a business and you travel, if you own a business and you travel, this is the best opportunity you're going to have. I really want you to try Upside.com. It's Upside.com, and the promo code is MARK. You deserve a better business trip. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. Upside.com, code MARK. I know you're going to love this service, you folks who uh, who take business travel. And you get you get a, a card as well. You know, like Amazon.com, a $100 gift card. And you still get your miles and everything else. It's absolutely terrific. It really is. All right. Let's go. Let's see what we have here. Okay. Oh. Bruce Seaford, Delaware, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Uh, yes, sir. So now I'm to speak to you. Um, I just want to say, you know, I don't know if you're already off this topic or not, but, you know, when it comes to CO2 and, you know, humans uh, having an effect on the environment and the climate, you know, that type of thing, I think it's actually a little arrogant to, for us to even believe that we have any bearing or control on this planet. Uh, the dinosaurs, they didn't have... Uh, CO2 or cars or uh, electric or cell phones or nuclear power plants or nuclear bombs. And they well, no, no, they created CO2, but the, you're right. There was no economy to speak of. There, there were there were there, were, there was no uh, CO2 emissions from uh, automobiles. You know, we had the industrial revolution and so forth and so on. But uh, of course, your point is rational. Your point is logical, and so your point will be attacked. Because we get these partisan scientists who line up, who are, who choose each other. It's a very incestuous process. The government picks people it wants to hear from, for the most part. And they do this, by the way, not just on climate and, and science. The EPA does this all the time. 
they pick experts who will reinforce their position. In other words, ideologues. It happens throughout the government with all these agencies when they're pushing the rules and regulations out the door. All right, Bruce, good call. We appreciate it. Let's keep going. Steve, Sacramento, California, the great KSFO. Go. Hey, Mark, uh, as somebody who immigrated here from a communist country, I can see a pattern in this. The means and the methods are different. In other words, they're not using the muscle to tell us what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and if not, we disappear in the middle of the night. Uh, they're using uh, scare tactics. They're using, uh, you know, global melting, global warming into, uh, you know, scaring us, into controlling us, into passing rules and regulations that in communist countries would be passed by force. Instead, mm-hmm. here are passed by scare tactics. And talking about uh, communists, Mark, if you don't mind me getting one in, uh, mm-hmm. what if I told you that Putin was purchased by uh, uh, Hillary to say he likes Trump in order to train the American people. Really? Again. Now, where's your where's your support for that idea? Uh, you can ask. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that more Russian people are not calling your uh, your station, Mark. Uh, this is no. the greatest Trojan horse that was created by uh, the liberals and and Hillary in, in American history uh, to uh, get. Uh, listen, Putin is Hillary's man. She's uh, Putin's supposed to say that. He likes Trump. American uh, people are supposed to say, oh, my God, this guy likes Trump. Let's turn so, against him. So you think this is the biggest disinformation campaign in modern times? Uh, uh, the, the collusion is a, ki- a gift that keeps on giving, Mark, uh, because uh, if uh, that backfired on them, uh, you know, the Trump and Russia uh, collusion is a distraction. While we erase more uh, computers with the, with the cloth, while we destroy more evidence on the, on the uh, uranium deal. All right, my friend. I got it. Very, very fascinating. All right. Thank you for your call. I shall return. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. This is the last hour of the week here. Very eventful week, don't you think? We move this diversity lottery visa program front and center as we have several other issues. This is from the New York Post. I think you're going to want to hear this. What Team Obama didn't want you to know about the Al-Qaeda-Iran alliance. CIA Director Mike Pompeo just released hundreds of thousands of documents long withheld by the Obama administration, that were seized in the 2011 raid that killed Osama bin Laden. Now, let's stop right there. Why did Obama withhold all these documents in 2011? There are no surprise revelations, but they more fully document the years-long extensive cooperation between al-Qaeda and Iran 
that was still ongoing when bin Laden met his end. And that raises even more disturbing questions about the nuclear deal Team Obama cut and the real reason these documents weren't disclosed until now. There you go. Obama wanted his deal. And if you, we, the American people, knew the extent to which Iran was working with al-Qaeda, you would have opposed it. New York Post goes on. Particularly a 19-page assessment by a senior jihadist of the al-Qaeda-Tehran ties. How Iran supplied, quote, everything we needed, unquote, including, quote, money, arms, and training in Hezbollah camps in Lebanon, as well as safe haven for other jihadis. So Iran was supporting with resources and training al-Qaeda in Hezbollah camps in Lebanon on the border with Israel. Yes, there were occasional conflicts and jealousies, but not enough to sever the relationship, which bin Laden himself described as post-2001 Al-Qaeda's main artery for funds, personnel, and communication. This is a further brutal indictment of Obama and Kerry, the Democrat Party, Bob Corker, and all the rest, who greased the skids for this vote, who turned the treaty clause on its head, and reverse the numbers. Rather than a supermajority of senators necessary to ratify, we needed a supermajority of senators necessary to stop what Obama had negotiated with Iran. The Obama White House had this information for nearly five years before negotiating the nuclear deal. Talks on which it refused to address Iran's continuing sponsorship of terror even as it agreed to provide it with more than $100 billion in sanctions relief and hostage ransom payments. Secretary of State John Kerry himself admitted that much of the money would go to supporting terrorist groups. And of course that includes Al-Qaeda, which the documents show was very much under bin Laden's control until the moment a Navy SEAL team took him out. So to ensure passage of the nuke deal, did Obama and his CIA directors withhold anything that could undercut their claims about encouraging Iranian moderates? The New York Post says it sure looks that way. Well, not only looks that way, that's exactly what took place. They had this guy, Ben Rhodes, the deputy to Susan Rice, the deputy at the National Security Council. The man is a a serial deceiver, distorter, spinner, and liar. And he put out phony talking points to the media, and the media loved the guy, and they devoured them, and they regurgitated them to you. Obama knew all along that Iran hadn't moderated. It's impossible. It's run by Islamo-Nazis. It's impossible. So understand now, Obama and Kerry and their administration knew that when they were cutting the deal with Iran, Iran was funding Al-Qaeda through Hezbollah. Not just Al-Qaeda, of course, but Al-Qaeda of 9-11 fame. Gets worse and worse and worse, this deal. Gets worse and worse and worse, this Obama, doesn't it? Now we have the case of Bergdahl. Bergdahl. Bo Bergdahl. Who, uh, who was a deserter. 
and men were maimed and died looking for him, thinking that he had been captured, kidnapped by the Taliban when in fact he voluntarily went to that side, the enemy side. Now we have a, uh, a military judge who, uh, who refused to give Bergdahl any jail time. No jail time. Even though he pleaded guilty. He was fined. He was reduced in rank to an E1. He was dishonorably discharged. But no prison time. And the President of the United States is right. This is a, a disgrace. It is a disgrace beyond explanation. And many of you have called and many of you are thinking, where, where's justice? Where's justice? You got a guy, I'll give you an example, like Dinesh D'Souza. Involved in some minor campaign flap. The prosecutor, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan, it's run by one of Jim Comey, Bob Mueller's buddies, an Obama hack. An Obama hack. And he insists that D'Souza do prison time for a single, relatively minor violation of our campaign laws. Not a slap on the hand, not... uh, you know, some type of, uh, some kind of deal. and No, 20 months in prison. And yet Bo Bergdahl is said to have suffered enough at the hands of the Taliban. Suffered enough at the hands of the Taliban. He wouldn't have been in the hands of the Taliban if he hadn't walked into the hands of the Taliban. It's a disgrace, absolute disgrace, that this guy doesn't do time. Decades gone by, he would have done more than time. He would have been thrown in the brink for I don't know how long, if not worse. If not worse. And the left, you know, they could care less. Could care less. All right. Let's take a call here. I don't know how much more we can stand, to be honest with you. I'd rather listen to you folks. So we're going to go to Dave in Green Bay, Wisconsin, the great WTAQ. Dave, go. Hi, Mark. Uh, Dave from Green Bay. I just wanted to, first of all, tell you thank you and how much uh, we conservatives here in Green Bay appreciate having you. We, we absolutely love you here. And uh, Thank you. I'm just sickened, absolutely sickened. I, I can't even contain myself by uh, what I heard today, that Bergdahl walked free, uh, the 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 people that risked their lives, this man in the wheelchair, the soldier who was shot in the head, look what he has to deal with the rest of his mm-hmm. life, what his wife is going to have to deal with in taking care of him. And this yellow traitor walks away scot-free. Why? Because we have a lib judge in the military who thinks this traitor has suffered enough. I, I, it just, I'm, I'm just sickened by it. And this whole traitor, Obama, giving billions to Iran, who has more American blood than any other nation. I, I just wonder what is this country coming to? And I thank God for people like you and the president we have now in Trump, because it's time the pendulum starts swinging the other way. Well, I, I appreciate your call very much, and I can tell you, I believe the American people are with us. I think that's why they vote Republican. They hope that these Republicans are going to stand up. Uh, and unfortunately, most of them don't. Some of them do. But you're quite right. This Bergdahl thing is is pathetic. It's outrageous. Did you ever think that he would get no prison time whatsoever? 
No, I thought for sure he'd get 40 years at the minimum. And I just really question this this judge. Is this it, Mark? Is this as far as it can go? Or can this be appealed? Or can any more be done? They could, technically. You could actually take it to the Supreme Court, technically. But I'm guessing it's done. To, to leave it up to one live judge in the military who's going to make this decision for every man who puts on the uniform, to me, is absolutely disgusting. And what about the Saran deal? <clears throat> you notice I brought them up in the same breath, really. You have the Saran deal, where we know as a matter of fact now that uh, that Iran was funding al-Qaeda through Hezbollah, and uh, Obama kept it from the American people, as he kept so much from the American people. You know, Russian interference with our election. He kept that from the American people right up to the, the right near the time of the general election. He covered that up, too. I think Obama was a absolutely reckless, rogue, lawless president. They want to talk about impeachment and that sort of thing. I can give you ten things off the top of my head that that man should have been impeached for. Dave, I want to thank you for my uh, your call, and uh, be well out there in WTAQ land, and stay warm out there in Green Bay. Brian, Baltimore, Maryland, the great WCBM. Go. Hey, Mark. Good to talk to you again. Um, I want to talk about the Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, the, the uh, legislation that she put forth with regards to how people should act and how they should treat people. But uh, the caller, Erica, earlier, she kind of, because she was in the, fi- the federal fire service, and you know I'm a fireman as well, um, that really, really bothered me as to what I heard she had to endure. And I just want to give you a snapshot of how the world would work if people actually just took a step back and didn't do anything with any kind of agenda. I was an officer in the fire department. I am an officer in the fire department, and I have two requirements for people who are on my crew. My requirements are, do you want to work, and will you work? I don't care what color you are. I don't care who you go to bed with. I don't care what toilet one you use. I don't care about any of that. If Do you want to work, and will you work? And those things are, that's basically what it comes down to, and it's, it's basically the second half of the golden rule. Treat others like you want to be treated. And if people have trouble with Christianity and Jesus and things like that, I can secularize it, and I do it very often. I say, just don't be a But I'm trying to figure out how you're addressing this lady who said that she was abused. Well, the things that happened to her, I'm just saying that 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 should have never happened. It never would have happened with regard to... Here's how I look at it. I've got a wife, and I've got a daughter, and I've got a mother. And if anybody put their hands on them or abused them in some way, I'm not talking about, you know, a little comment here and there. I'm talking about sexual abuse and true harassment. I would be furious. I don't do that to other people, and I don't expect it to be done to members of my family or to anybody else either. Again, you can have people who make wild allegations uh, who are or who are dishonest and not telling the truth. Uh, you can have people who are wholly innocent. But I'm talking about a case here. She had a settlement. Uh, the government was involved and so forth. And um, that's not so easy to get. The process is a tough process. So I'm not taking anyone's side in specific. I'm just saying as a general rule, uh, I find it incredible that you have a United States senator 
who is introdu- introducing legislation uh, to, she believes, prevent her colleagues from sexually harassing people. I don't think it gets any sicker than that, quite frankly. All right, my brother, we appreciate your call, and stay safe out there. I'll be right back. Mark purpose is of the show The View. Is there any entertainment value in that pathetic show at all? With, uh, what is it, four yentas and, and a guest? Mostly libs? Why would any show have Keith Oberman on it? Keith Oberman should be in a padded room where you can look through the door and see him playing hopscotch with himself. Anyway, let's take a listen. Hat tip, right scoop. Cut to go. A lot of people are, of course, frustrated by Trump's reaction to the terror attack here in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, But you said recently uh, via tweet that Trump and his family have done more damage to America than bin Laden and ISIS combined. Yes. Do you believe that? Now stop. Do you hear the applause, the clapping seals in the audience? Now that means the producer and the director have the applause sign blinking on and off. The morons in the audience are applauding this. Go ahead. Yeah, we're, we're, we did really well after 9-11. I don't think we, the country has given itself enough credit for what we did not do after 9-11. We, we did not restrict all of the freedoms in this country. We did not yeah. single out people. We yeah. did not destroy the fabric. people died on 9-11. Yes. The comparison is absurd. Well, do you mean the time well, after? But, then, but more people died in the Iraq war than died in 9-11. We didn't need to be there. You think that bin Laden did less to damage America than President Trump? Yes. This is the show, The View. What network is it on? Do you know, Mr. Producer? ABC, the American Broadcast Corporation, or Broadcasting Corporation. So here we have an American corporation. You know, we talk about the NFL, and we should. We talk about some of the owners, and we should. Well, here we have another American corporation, ABC. Are they still owned by Disney? They're owned by somebody. Uh, They used to own our radio stations. Thank God they don't anymore. So they have this show, The View, where they have the most obnoxious left-wing people imaginable. And the conservatives, or consuda conservatives who sit there, they're nervous because they know they're going to be pounced on and they may actually lose their jobs like, like Jedediah Bila did. So Meghan McCain, who says something that's intelligent, saying she's in the minority in terms of viewpoints on The View. So this is ABC that's promoting this kind of schlock. And this uh, POS, Mr. Oberman. Mr. Oberman. Who really isn't on real radio, real TV. He's not on anything. He's on something fake. I forget what it's called. Let us go to Steve Hunter, New York, on the Mark Levin app. Go. How you doing, Mark? Great pleasure to talk to you. Thank um, you, sir. I wanted to talk about Bo Bergdahl, if I may, for a moment. Yes, sir. 
So I am a combat infantry uh, veteran. I served in 2009 in the exact area that uh, Bo Bergdahl, actually his unit took over from me. So I was there, and uh, I know exactly what the the troubles are, and you know how everything is uh, tough over there. But what Bo Bergdahl did was take away an an incredible amount of resources from the United States military. He took away our ability to actually fight the war and made it so that we had to do nothing but look for him. And it Mm -hmm. it kills me. It it really, um, it destroys me to think about the fact that, you know, all the guys that I watched bleed and die, um, have to sacrifice for the effort of looking for this one individual and you know and then I'll tell you what Steve we have a hard break hang on if you will I want to finish our discussion don't hang up I'll be right back with Steve this is a very very uh, compelling liberal potholes he's a truck full of hot constitutional asphalt Mark Levin call him now at 877-381-3811 by far my Casper mattress is the best mattress I've ever slept on no other mattress even comes close it helps me get the best night's sleep period and you're going to love Casper as much as I love mine switching to a Casper is a no brainer it's a higher quality mattress at a more affordable price. I'm sleeping cool and comfortably every night, much better than on the old overpriced mattress I used to have. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small, how do they do that size box? They'll even pick it up if you don't love it, and they'll refund you everything. And uh, from its breakthrough design and superior quality to its packaging, to letting you try it for 100 nights in your own home, it's no wonder Casper was named one of Fast Company's 50 most innovative brands in 2017. Put Casper to the test in your own home for 100 nights risk-free. Go to Casper.com, use code MARK, and you'll save $75 on your purchase. That's Casper.com, code MARK. Minimum purchase required. See site for details. Terms and conditions apply. Thomas, Augusta, Georgia, the great WGAC. Go. Mark, how you doing? Great show. Okay. Uh, I, Thank I you. I want to know, uh, y'all were talking about taxes a while ago, about cutting taxes. Didn't did Ronald Reagan also cut our deductions? When Not he had that, Ronald problem? Reagan increased some taxes, but here's the difference. It's not a matter of cutting out some deductions or increasing some taxes. He slashed the rates so completely and moved so many people off the tax rolls that the, the, the deductions that he would have eliminated, like interest on, on uh, car loans and that sort of thing, were de minimis. And same when he increased some taxes when they would send him omnibus bills. The overall tax rates were slashed so completely. As an example, the 70% coming down to 28%. He didn't create a new 46% rate, increase the rate. As I say, they were so significant. And other things he did in terms of new deductions, like uh, like increasing the ability of, of uh, individuals when they make capital repairs or capital investments to write them off faster. 
You don't see a lot of that in this bill. What you see a lot in this bill is a lot of in one pocket and out of the other pocket. Yeah, I, I, I can I can see that. But for me, I think a flat tax is is probably the the best way to go. That way, I like the idea. You know, people fight over a flat tax and a fair tax. Let me tell you, if we can get either, we're in pretty good shape, don't you think? I agree with you, one hundred percent. Yeah. All right, Thomas. Thanks for your call, buddy. Oh, yeah, I want to go back to Steve. I apologize, Steve, in Hunter, New York, uh, on the Mark Levin app. So, Steve, you're saying the uh, the, the unit you were with uh, was replaced by, by the Bergdahl unit, right? That's correct, Mark, yes. And um, the fact that he got n- – how the hell do they give him no prison time? This this is a real head-scratcher of me. I mean, his lawyers arguing in front of the military judges. His lawyers arguing he suffered enough five years under the Taliban. Well, who the hell's fault is that? It's his fault, Mark. Of course, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It absolutely is. I can't imagine abandoning my brothers in the situation that I was in there because I know the exact time frame that he was there. It was the most kinetic environment on earth. At that time, which means it was the most, you know, violent and war-ridden province that could exist. This is Kunar province we're talking about, or Konar. Do, do, do you think he was scared? And he, I mean, and, and so he jumped to the other side. What, what, what do you think was going on here? I, I, I really can't speak to that, Mark. I, I couldn't imagine why anyone would abandon their brothers in a situation like that, because... The only thing that you have tying yourself to any sort of reality is your brother's right there next to you. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve. I really appreciate your call and your service. God bless you, my friend. Let us go to Mark, trucker friend, South Dakota Sirius Satellite. Go. I sure appreciate you taking my call, Mark. Thank you. I was going to Thank say you. about this Bergdahl thing that really upsets me and America, and I'm sure it does, is that this man didn't even get a single day in prison. He he escaped a life sentence. But what's so unfair about this judge's decision is that those uh, those fine men in the military that went searching for him, they're the ones that got the life sentence with the injuries they sustained for the rest of their lives they have to live with because of this judge's decisions. And that ain't right. What the heck is going on with America when we see this kind of judgment passed down to a deserter? That just There's nothing right about it. And it opens the door for every for for anyone else to do something like this again in the future. I could not agree with you more, Mark. I agree with you completely. And this judge will have his job tomorrow, like he had his job today. And uh, you know, my, my concern is we have so many people like this in positions of power who are utterly and completely disconnected from reality and irresponsible. And what can we do about it? He owes Mark, them. Yeah. That, that judge owes, owes these men and women in the military and a real reason, not just because he suffered enough. Because those, those, those soldiers, they suffered, and they're, they're going to still suffer for the rest of their lives. You're quite right. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate your call very much. Let us go to Tom on Long Island, the great WABC. How are you? Hey, Mark. Um, I've uh, been listening to your show for a long time. Thank you. <clears throat> It's kind of a emotional thing for me, sort of. But I couldn't stand it when I heard the verdict today, you know. And the long and short of it is I was in the Vietnam War, and uh, 
I put 15 years in. Wow. Got out on the medical. Lungs short of it. <clears throat> I put everything away for 50 years. I was one of the guys that got spit on when I came home originally in the 60s. So I got a letter six months ago from Obama and uh, invited me to come to the Wait North Port VA. Six months well, ago from Obama? Yeah. 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 Maybe so it seven. And uh, yeah. I open it up. I'm like from the president. And it says, uh, it was a whole letter of apology, and we know you were spit on, and all this crap. And uh, I put it away because I didn't want to bring it all up again in my own head. And the day of the actual thing at the Northport VA, I got up and I says, you know, I'm going to go. I just got to see this. And I went, and there were 1,500 other guys like me. And uh, I felt good when I left because all guys my age, I'm 71, and uh, just being with them was a good part, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they gave us a medal and 50th anniversary of the war and all this crap. And today, to be quite honest, I felt like I'd spit on again, you know. Mm-hmm. I, it just was like I couldn't believe this, you know, how this guy could just walk away. Other guys got killed. And, uh, and you know what, Tom? He didn't just walk away. He walked to the enemy. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, pure dirt, man. I mean, guys got killed. Guys I know gave their lives. 18-year-old guys that went when we were called and, uh, you know, all this crap, come, we're sorry. And what are these new captains or generals or whoever they were on that board let this guy off? Because he had a hard time. He did five years. Such a lot of crap. But I just had to call, you know. I just, I just had to say it out loud. Well, thank you, Tom. It was a great call, and I want to thank you for your service, too. Excellent. We, we much appreciate it. Tom, New Orleans, Louisiana, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Good, sir. Uh, thank you for taking my call, and I really enjoy your show. I listen to it frequently. Uh, thank you. But I just wanted to make a comment about the tax uh, situation. I'm a CPA by training, and I have a master's in tax, and I'd love yeah. to have some other CPAs weigh in on it as well. Uh, the way they're going about it is just setting us up for disaster. What they should do, in my opinion, and uh, my humble opinion is focus on reducing the rates first and then take a look at the complexities of the tax code and trying to unwind it, if that's what folks want to do. And uh, somebody should model out the benefit of uh, bringing back the foreign cash overseas, um, uh, future uh, reductions in spending, and the incremental benefit of uh, reducing the tax rate. So I think the combination of those three things they should be able to uh, uh, strategize on how to reduce the complexity of the tax code. And the other thing they got to stop using is terms like loopholes. There are no loopholes. Everything in the mm-hmm. tax code is law. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for example, they always say that depreciation and depletion are loopholes. They're not. That's, uh, they're both very important uh, parts of our economy, regardless of whether you like them or not. Built- well, uh, you know, it makes it possible for people to um, to expand their businesses. Well, you have to do it because, I mean, if you're a, a, if you're a big corporation and you spend, uh, you know, $500 million on a new oil rig uh, you, or, or you buy land for the equivalent amount of money, you can't expense $500 million in one year. You have to amortize it and match it against your revenue. I know it's... A little bit more complicated than we need to get into, but um, I just think that the, if they focused on the tax rates first, we got you know come up with whatever they want to do, 
be fine with me. I just well, won't. not me, because they're pushing more people out of the tax rolls. So those are people going to vote for more and more spending. Uh, they through the back door. Looks like they're they're going to have another bracket that they haven't campaigned on and they they haven't talked about, which is almost 46 percent. Uh, they want to get the brackets down. I'm all for that, and stop all this other Mickey Mouse stuff, and then talk about simplifying the tax code. That's good, but there's something else they need to do. They need to cut government spending, and they're not, and they're not even talking about it. Tom, I really appreciate your call. Thank you, sir. You know, in the last few years, Hillsdale College has entered the K through 12 arena across the nation by helping charter schools get established. They provide curriculum train the faculty, help set up guidelines for choosing teachers and boards, and provide ongoing support and service. And they do it all for no charge. It's called the Barney Charter School Initiative, named after a benefactor who truly understands that the future of our nation depends on how we educate our kids. Now, Hillsdale and their many donors know that the strength of our nation depends on having an educated citizenry. That's why Hillsdale provides you with free online constitution and other courses, their free speech digest and primus, and now free help for those interested in running world-class charter schools. And of course, on their main campus, Hillsdale provides a rich liberal arts education that teaches college students to learn to pursue truth and defend liberty. Hillsdale does all this without a penny of taxpayer money. Isn't that incredible? You can learn more about the K-12 Barney Charter Schools at levinforhillsdale.com. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for hillsdale.com. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. couldn't get to everything today, but I'll be here Monday. I'm looking at the call board. Retire military. Retire military. Retire military. Retire military. Marine, Army, Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam. All disgusted. All disgusted. And I don't blame any of you. Russ, Brookings, South Dakota. The great K-E-L-O. How are you, sir? Not bad. Yourself, Mark? Pretty good. Thank you. Well, you know, being a veteran myself, you know, it was one of the greatest jobs I ever had. And, you know, I've seen guys go AWOL, not even on deployment, and serve jail time. It honestly makes me think it's politically motivated. You look at how President Obama hailed him as a hero, as a POW, when he came back. And I honestly really do think it's politically motivated. This judge, basically, I can't speak for him. But in my opinion, I think he just, well, I'm going to hand this down because this might save my career if I do it the other way. I, I just don't know. These guys, it's like so many of these judges, I don't care if they're military or civilian, they put on a black robe, and uh, it's like they lose their minds. It's just bizarre. All right, Russ, thank you for your service, my friend. Sean, Wichita, Kansas, the great KNSS, go. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Hey, I went to uh, Iraq in 2007 with the 3rd Infantry Division uh, during the surge. And while I was there, the 10th Mountain Division had three soldiers get kidnapped from their checkpoint. And there was a massive search conducted to find these guys, but it was months later before they were found. That, well, 
that is what was left of them. So, um, <clears throat> for this, uh, bird doll to, uh, uh, abandon his brothers in, um, Afghanistan, desertion, you know, to walk away and six and, and I, honestly, honestly, Sean, I thought he'd get 20 years. Anyway, Sean, I gotta go, and I want to thank you for your service, just because it's a hard break here, and I want to thank all of you calling who've served us so nobly and honorably in the military. God bless you all. All right, in honor of all of you, America, go.
week is officially over and the weekend begins right now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. And good night, Zelda. Get Al-Qaeda. Get the Taliban. Get ISIS. Get Hezbollah. Get all those subhuman cockroaches. And I'll see you on Monday. God bless each and every one of you.